This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two, and soon to be three, and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. Sarah and I are very excited to have our first guest joining us for episode 11. We're going to be talking work-life balance with our first guest. So more on that in a little bit. But first, Sarah, what's going on with your life right now? I'm not sure this is like podcast worthy excitement, <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing that's going on in our lives is that we are moving out of our house for several days because we are getting tented. And for those who are uninitiated to tenting, because I had actually never heard of it really until moving down here, it's when you have termites and they have to put a noxious gas in your house to kill everything inside of it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Apparently down here, you know, I could admit this on the air because there's not really a stigma to having such a thing in South Florida. It's pretty much a given that at some point every five years, 10 years, whatever, it's going to happen um, just because it's part of our climate here. Um, but it doesn't mean it's very fun. So you have to then move out. They blast your house with this stuff. And, and then how is it then like safe to move back in? 
Yeah. So, well, we, you have to move all your food and cosmetic items out. So anything that would like touch your body or be ingested. So that's kind of the pain in the butt because you have to empty your fridge. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of convenient that we just had a hurricane because, <laughs> because seriously, we like purposely, we're like, well, we know we're getting tented. So we're just not going to buy much. So we're, we're pretty empty coffers to begin with. And then they, they do the tenting, then they ventilate it and they have some system to measure the chemicals. So we'll know it's safe to go back in. And it usually takes like two to three days. So it's not the end of the world, but it has dominated our week. Oh, no. well, that's no fun. <laughs> what about you? Especially it's after you were be more... out of your house for that week as it was at the hurricane. Now you're out with the termites. It's great. Exactly. So, uh, now this is much easier. Much, much, much <laughs> easier. easier. Well, so what's in your life? Yeah, no, I'm excited that I just joined a choir. I sang for years and years. I sang in choir in, in college. And then I joined some community choruses when I lived in New York as a young person. And I stayed with one. It was called the Young New Yorkers Chorus for many years until we moved to Pennsylvania about six years ago. And then I hadn't really figured out what I would do here with it. And with lots of little kids, it was kind of hard to start anything. But then I finally realized, well, I should just join my church choir. And my church is large enough that it has a professional director and they have actually hired staff singers. So uh, there's about eight professional singers in the choir to sort of help things along and make it not sound like your average church choir. So it's actually been a lot of fun because we're doing real intense music. And I joined the chamber singers, which is their small group that we do, you know, more challenging stuff. And Sunday we did our first chamber singers group singing. And, and so that was really cool. like to make music and be singing fun stuff that I'm really learning from. So it's taking quite a bit of time. I mean, that is the one thing about a church choir is you are singing every week. So we have rehearsals on Thursday nights and then we sing on Sunday mornings. And so it's easily four hours a week and it's often closer to five, which is not a small proportion of the disposable hours I had. Yeah, but but I'm loving it. Like, I'm really so happy to be getting back into singing. And so, you know, it's felt like the kids are getting a little bit older. Some time is opening up. It was it was time to take the plunge. No, that sounds awesome. I think music is very kind of therapeutic. Josh is actually super into the ukulele right now. So ukulele. Like every, <laughs> so like every night he's practicing songs. And I think it's, I mean, both of us have sort of failed well, I was successful for a little bit, but like getting on the meditation train, but I think both of us gravitate more towards like get lost in some other activity. So maybe for you, it's singing for him. It's playing ukulele. I think that's awesome. Maybe I need to take up the ukulele. Yeah. (laughs) He would do duets with you if he did. Well, we are so excited to have our first guest this time on Best of Both Worlds, Sarah's friend, Siobhan. Sarah, you want to go ahead and introduce Siobhan to us? Yeah, this is my really good friend, Siobhan Brady. We met as running partners in North Carolina way back in the day, and I wanted to have her as our very first guest, first of all, because I think she deserves such an honor, and second of all, because (laughs) this is our first time doing any kind of three-way recording session, so we wanted it to go smoothly with someone who might understand if it didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So Siobhan was picked as the guest who is least likely to complain. (laughs) That's right. Super easy going. also (laughs) a really interesting and cool choice because she is a genetics professor at the UC Davis in, in Davis, California, near Sacramento. And she has a pretty wild and crazy job that she's going to tell us all about. And she also has two boys. Tell me exactly how old they are right now. 
So Kieran is eight years old and Shia is four years old, but almost turning five. Oh my goodness. So yeah, you are a great representative of someone who's sort of out of the baby phase completely. So that'll be new for this podcast as well. I mean, Laura's in both places <laughs> and I still feel like my kids are so young, but you, you have big kids. So that's exciting. And you and your husband have some really unusual and interesting circumstances that I think will make your situation interesting to our listeners. And we're just so excited to start having some guests so we can have other voices chime in on how they do things and make life work. And Siobhan's also an amazing choice because she makes it work in a very, at least it appears from the outside, a very happy and exciting and full way. I'm always looking at amazing pictures that she takes on her travel opportunities. But yet when I see her with her kids, it's clear that there's a bond and they enjoy their family time too. So I thought she'd be a great one to, to open up and tell us how she does it. I am super honored to be here. Thank you so much for thinking of me as your first guest. You're welcome. So, okay, before I get into some of the, my, my questions, tell us a little bit about sort of the nature of your, the time nature of your work, because as a professor, I would assume that it's pretty all-encompassing. So tell us a little bit about that, including the travel, and then also how your husband's schedule fits into things. Got it. Okay. So, um, my schedule is super all encompassing. Um, in that I think that as a university professor, particularly in the research domain, so where you're at, um, like a division one university, that's, uh, where if you're a scientist, you have to run a research lab, you also have to teach, and then you also have to participate in your international, in your community, both internationally, nationally, as well as within your campus. So you could spend every single hour a day working if you could continue to exist as a human being, but I can't. So I uh, try to be at work actually in the university building during the working hours during the day. And so that for me usually is between 8.30 in the morning to 5.30 at night. I also try a couple of days a week because that's not enough time for me to be able to finish everything I need to do, I try two days a week to come in a little bit earlier. So between 7.30 to 8 o'clock and to stay until 6 o'clock in the evening. That's what's required of me in terms of my like physical work face-to-face -face hours, but my day starts extra early. So I try to wake up between 5 o'clock and 5.30. I try to work for a half an hour to an hour before I exercise. And then in the evenings, I usually spend about a half an hour working. And then weekends, I usually try to work for at least two hours on Sundays and then answer emails occasionally. Do you tend to take Saturdays off? Is that your day of rest or what? <laughs> I tend to take Saturdays off. Yes. 100%. That is my day of rest. And that's, and also Friday nights. And those are the, I mean, I really try to never do anything work-wise because I've realized that if I do end up working those days, then I'm pretty miserable and grumpy during the week. Yeah, so, Siobhan, does your lab work? Um, Cause I know I hear a lot from professors in the sciences that the lab work can be pretty unpredictable. Is, is that something that 
Yes. And I am in actually the fortunate position or unfortunate. So I don't do much lab work. I mean, I got my job because of my ability to do lab work well, but I mostly spend my time these days managing. So you got the grad students doing this writing stuff emails. Now. Yeah, the graduate <laughs> students, and the postdocs and undergraduates are the ones doing the work. And I am the one trying to identify research funds and to write up our research findings. Okay, that's cool. And and the kids, what what's kind of their schedule with, with all that? The kids' schedule is actually fairly predictable in that, so the youngest wakes up around 6.30 in the morning, and the oldest would happily sleep until 7.15, but the youngest wakes up the older one a little bit earlier. Um, and then the oldest one goes into school, so he's in third grade. School starts at 8.25 in the morning. Wait, wait, wait. And so yes. for that, those morning hours, are your kids old enough now that you're actually able to just get some work done or do you, is your husband sort of in charge of them at that point or how do you guys manage it? (laughs) 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 So actually, so Jeremy, so he leaves for work, uh, anywhere between 645 and 715 in the morning. Early. Yes. Early. So it's impossible to get work done once they're awake. And I try to not actually. So, so I feel like because during the work week, there's so little time that I get to spend with them. Any time that they're awake and I'm home, I'm just with them. So you try to get that work done. You said you get up at like five, do some work. Right. You fit in a workout at home, I guess, because they're still there. Yes, at home or I go to the gym. Yep. Got it. And then as soon as you get home, Jeremy's usually off. It's like that kind of. Jeremy is usually off. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yes. And then, um, so along the way over the last couple of years, actually inspired by you, Sarah. So we finally decided to get um, a babysitter to come in and help me along the way in those mornings so that instead of of me just like rushing everybody along their way and feeling completely panicked and anxiety ridden by the time that I would leave the house. Uh, she, she just, she's kind of like a mother's helper. So she helps me, you know, like we do everything together. So, uh, collectively, you know, like one person will get the kids dressed, one person will be unloading the dishwasher, you know, and then, you know, the person who's unloading the dishwasher is also helping make breakfast for the kids. And then, you know, and then I'm getting my lunch ready and, you know, I'm getting changed and then, uh, she's making sure that they eat and then we do homework together. And then I try, I really, really try hard to have at least like 20 minutes of like playtime or reading time together. Oh, that's awesome. Before we head off. I feel yes. like you've hired out what, you know, if your husband didn't have to leave so, so early, what he would normally be doing. So that totally right. makes sense. Beautiful. Exactly. What, what, what hours yes. does she work? That's, that's kind of cool. Cause I think a lot of our, so it depends on my workout schedule. So usually I, I like to work out between like, I, I, I like to be done between six forty-five and seven. So she comes around six forty-five. So she kind of like starts getting everything in place so that when I arrive, we can just start. Oh, that's perfect. Speaking of work, it's very structured. How so? A little background for everyone. Siobhan and I met when we were in the throes of like marathon mania. Neither of us had kids. We had, you know, jobs, but we wanted something really exciting and fun on the side. So we did a lot of distance running. We got really like nerdy into it. We actually met at a. I love that the fun on the side was distance running. Like let's let's just all pause. Like like eighteen mile runs in Duke Forest with a group, like that kind of a thing. And then we eventually became running partners. But both of us. Well, at least I have definitely had to slow down (laughs) in the past couple of years since having kids. I still run quite a bit, but 
not nearly of that intensity. So what are you like, how, like, this is a little bit of a segue, but tell us a little bit about what kind of workouts you do now and how you fit that in and also how you handle it when you're on the road. So workouts. Okay. So, uh, one thing that I, I know and that Sarah knows is like, I absolutely need to exercise in order to keep my sanity. Um, I used to be super into distance running and I loved running marathons and I loved training and getting faster, but the amount of time input that it takes to train for a marathon is just not really conducive with my schedule. And I realized that kind of pretty much as soon as I had my first son, I would still like to run another marathon one day, but I think it's good because we're going to do one together eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're going to run one together. <laughs> so what do I do in the meantime? So I've actually really transformed my workout routines over the last two years in part because I also had a bad accident. So I fell off my bike in a very slow, non-graceful motion and tore my ACL and broke my tibia. And then I broke my ankle a few months later, and then I had to have reconstructive surgery. I cannot run as much as I used to. So I try to run a couple of days a week, anywhere from three to five miles. Uh, and then I have really started to embrace spinning and cycling. And Ooh. so I try to go to spin class uh, two days a week. I've also started doing a little bit more long distance cycling. So I'm going to run, I'm going to ride my first century. And then I throw in uh, yoga once a week. And then my husband and I, with two of our other friends, we actually go to a personal trainer as like our fun date night, uh, or date to day <laughs> once a week. And then we work out together. That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> that is so cool. How do you handle all that when you're traveling? I've seen you do some beautiful runs in different locales. Yes. So when I travel, I find that the, like the easiest thing to do is to run because you can, you know, you just have to put your running shoes. I always pack my running shoes. I never don't pack my running shoes. And so I always try to, whenever I get to whatever destination I get to, I usually have a few hours before I end up having to do anything. And those are the times that I always immediately go and run for at least a half hour. And I find that that really adapts my clock to the environment that I'll be in. And then, uh, you know, I usually try to run every other day when I'm away at work or I uh, do yoga. So I subscribe to Yoga Glow. And so I do online yoga practice in the mornings. And then I always try to do some sort of like hike or walk or something uh, during my trips away. Do you have to sort of scout that out beforehand and so that you make sure you're not staying in some like, I don't know, horrible strip mall yes. where there's no place? Yes. To, no, 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 100%. And, like, and, and there are times, right? Like, like for instance, so uh, especially when I go to foreign countries, like so I was in Brazil and once, and I did not look properly and I started running and I clearly ran into a neighborhood where like I started to feel really unsafe. So I usually, I usually tried to map out my runs ahead of time. And so I just go online and I figure out where my hotel is and where the nearest, you know, kind of park is. And then I look online for runners who post their runs in the nearby areas and I make sure that it's, it's, it's kind of safe. And then I also ask as soon as I arrive at whatever hotel I'm staying at, uh, I go over my routes with them to make sure that it's safe. That sounds very smart. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's some places where I can't run, right? Like in, in Ethiopia, like I can't run in Ethiopia. So I, you know, so, so then I always try to pick a hotel that has a gym if it's clear that there aren't any 
areas outside where I can run. So tell us a little more about, so you do tons of travel for work. How do you manage or maybe you do, maybe you don't. It 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 looks to me like a, some you manage to fit in fun during those times. How do you do that, like without the guilt factor? When you know, like you know, the whole thing could be work, but it seems like you're able to kind of find a balance there. Right. So I have. Um, I think I'm lucky in that I work really, really well on planes. So if I'm if I'm flying during the day or during like daylight hours, uh, because I don't have like the kids around, I can just like plug in my headphones and I can just like work nonstop and not be interrupted. So I usually end up having my plane rides be so productive that I uh, am able to schedule some time in during whatever conference I'm in to do something fun. And I love traveling. Like I've always loved traveling. I think my family thinks that I have something wrong with me in terms of how much I love traveling. Give our but listeners I also an feel idea. Like, like give them an idea of scale here. Like list the last five places you've been. You okay. So the last five, here, I have to look. Okay. So the last five <laughs> places crazy. I've been. So I was in Chile uh, last week and then I didn't travel for a while. Um, except for in the beginning of August, I was in Vermont and then I had another, uh, and then I went to Toronto to pick up my kids. And then I was in New York and then I was in Hawaii oh. and then I was in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And then I was in Belgium. Okay. And all that, is, go. Was all that work related for the most part? All was work related. That- uh, all was work related except for picking up my kids in Toronto. Yeah. And except for, and then my husband and I went to Hawaii. I was going to say, how did you pull off the Hawaii as a work destination? (laughs) (laughs) So the Hawaii was, we actually had an editorial board meeting in Hawaii. Oh, so it was work. uh, My son, my oldest son, uh, he has started going to a camp in uh, Ontario for, it's it's like a four week long sleepaway camp, which he absolutely adores. And then my youngest son for four weeks during the summer, when I'm in the middle of all of my work travel. Children go to Canada. So our family is from Canada. And so the oldest son goes to a sleepaway camp, to a Jewish sleepaway camp. And then the youngest one stays with his grandparents and goes to a day camp. This overlaps completely with an editorial board meeting that I had in Hawaii. So I went to the editorial board meeting. My husband dropped the kids off in Toronto, and then he flew directly to Hawaii. So we had three nights in Hawaii. That sounds really awesome. It was really nice. (laughs) Sounds amazing. And we were kind of lame and we mostly just like slept <laughs> in very comfortable beds and As just said, like sat like up by the pool. Therapeutic in its own right. I mean, sometimes that's all you need. It was really, Especially really nice. Especially yeah. so intense the rest of the time. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So going back to your husband, since we went on that big travel tangent, we kind of went through the beginning of your day. At the end of the day, do you have the same babysitter come back? back and what time does Jeremy get back or does he stay away for is he flying every day or does he stay away for like four days at a time so I'll start off with when I come back I arrive home sometime between 5 30 and 6 and then with the babysitter we figure out who is so we figure out who is going to pick up or drop off um Kieran so the most of our babysitters have so we've been really really lucky we had one for a long time who uh, was basically like part of our family and she even traveled us with us when we went to the Netherlands. She handled both morning and evenings. She actually identified a new babysitter for us uh, who's part of her program. Um, and she is amazing. 
but she does, she has a class at eight o'clock in the morning. So now we have like a different babysitter in the morning from the one in the evening, which like schedule wise is not what I wanted, but the one in the evening is like, she's so amazing that I wanted to make it work. And she's really, really, she's like, she's really, really good with my youngest son. So she and I work it out so that like some days, so I try two days a week to pick up my youngest son from school by bicycle because he likes to ride to school by bicycle. And then she picks up the younger one from his daycare. And we come home and then she uh, helps prepare dinner and we kind of all prepare dinner together and then uh, work through my son's homework, the oldest son's homework, the youngest son, you know, also needs like a lot of attention during that time. And then, uh, we go ahead and, uh, and then we all eat dinner together when my husband comes home anywhere between six forty-five to seven fifteen. Oh, so he comes home every night now. That's great. So he comes home every night except for the, well, he comes home every night most of the time. Some days he doesn't. So he actually uh, flies to work on, yeah which sounds a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh, he has a friend who flies to Palo Alto because if he drives, it's like literally a three and a half hour drive each way. So for two years, um, he stayed away from Monday to Thursday, which was really, 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 really hard. Uh, and so now he either flies or he drives. And so he probably, if you were to like average it out about 75% of the time he flies and then the other 25% of the time he drives, which is really just horrible for him because it's like a seven hour commute. No, that's totally, that's awful. I mean, three and a half hours in one way as a commute, that's awful. Yes. But, that's, <laughs> but you guys have chosen to live closer to Davis than Correct. so that you guys. Yes. So yes. you're there. And so this was like our big compromise. So uh, we're like a two career couple. I was really, really lucky that he followed me around during my um, postgraduate training. And then he, you know, got this job opportunity at Apple, which was like really the opportunity of his dreams. And so we just, we had to figure out how to make it work. Like we chose to live in Davis because Davis is a great community to raise children in. And um, it's closer for me to work. And I'm close to an airport for travel if I need. And the thing that kind of suffers is that some days he has to drive, but the most important thing is, is that he's home every single night, which was really, really hard for those two years when he was away from Monday to Thursday. I can imagine that would be really hard, especially because that was when your kids were little. It was like when our home. kids were really little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I, you know, like, and then I didn't have, a, so I didn't have a babysitter for a while. And so when I say it was hard, I, I would say it was probably the hardest time of my life because I just, I was trying to do it all without any help and to be like a super mother. And I thought that I was, you know, many times that I was going to break, like it was too much stress for like one person to, to have to deal with. And so just having somebody else to help now, it turns out has made things like a lot easier. It was probably hard on the relationship too. I mean, I can certainly sympathize <laughs> that if one's partner was gone from Monday to Thursday, that your interactions with him from Friday to Sunday may not have been the most loving constantly. It's like you were both working, but you felt like you were doing all the home stuff. So you'd kind of want you'd be like, okay, now it's your turn. But he'd be like, but I was working, you know? Yeah, exactly. And he was imagine. tired too. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then your time is spent you know, trying to be like 100% present for the kids, 
but then there's, there's no downtime. Right. And so, so we've really, really worked on it, right? Like we have date nights once a week and, you know, we, we, we try to carve out like the time that we have with the children. We try to make it very, you know, when both of us are present as well as just when I'm present, we try to make it like very full on just the kids without any other distractions. And then the time for work is the time for work. And then we also now carve out very specifically time for the two of us. That is awesome. Well, I had one last question, which has to do with kind of how things have evolved. Now, there's in your case, there's a lot of variables because things have changed, but you have also kind of graduated from little kid land to big kid land, which as I talked about, Laura and I, you know, haven't really made that transition yet because she still has a two-year-old and I still have an almost four-year-old, but being pregnant kind of <laughs> messed all that up. So I want to hear what it's like on the other side and whether what you find harder, what you find easier. You know, one thing that we've gotten some reader, you know, feedback on was sort of people saying, thank you for admitting that like the toddler years are really, really difficult. And something that I kind of wince at sometimes is people are like bigger kids, bigger problems, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not following them around to no. make sure they don't die. So I was just, <laughs> I was just curious on your perspective on how things have changed and what you're enjoying more or what you miss and um, what it's like. The toddler years are so hard. There is like, it's exhausting because the time that you spend with them, you're, they aren't moving logically or rationally. Yes. And you're always trying, like you said, to make sure that they survive. My oldest was so much easier. Always. The youngest. I I gleaned that. (laughs) (laughs) The youngest from the ages like three and a half to four and a half. He just developmentally, like he was, he, he doesn't like change. He requires like a, you know, a huge amount of, um, of interaction. He's, you know, like the oldest one is very extroverted. The youngest one is very introverted. And so it's really taken time and the development of a lot of patience for me to figure it out. But I feel like now with, so the youngest one, he's, he's going to be five in a month and he, it's so much easier. (laughs) It's so much easier because I can like talk with him and we can work things out together I can figure out when he's upset and I can ask him why he's upset and we can kind of work it out a little bit more. Um, and then the, the older one, actually the one thing that I would say that's the hardest for the older one right now is that when he has free time, he doesn't necessarily want to spend that free time with me. He wants to spend his free time with his friends. That is hard. That is is like so hard. Right. And so, and so he even says like the other day he said to me, like, he was like, Oh, I, I want to go see my friend. I want to go see my friend next door. I see he's outside. And I was like, Oh, but, but I just came home. And then he goes, Oh, I don't want to disappoint you. Oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's okay. You're not disappointing me. This is important. You go and you see your friend and then we're just going to make sure that we have like quality time. So we try that to work amazing. in like quality time. Yeah. Um, the other really exciting thing that we can do now is we can have like just one-on-one time with each child which was always harder because the youngest really just like, you know, monopolized a huge amount of our attention. But now because he's, you know, growing a little bit um, in maturity, you know, we can have just like mommy and Shia days or daddy and Shia days and mommy and Kieran days and daddy and Kieran days. 
So that's actually something that's really, really nice that we're able to do. And that for me, at least feels like very enriching and that I think I the kids t- really love. I totally get that because I'm there with my older one who actually has been here this whole time and has been like silent and good. And yet my younger one, like, like, forget it. <laughs> like, it's not really fun yet. It will be probably right around that five mark, the four to five, that developmental switch that goes off. So, okay, that's wonderful. So wonderful. And then, and then the other thing that has also become so much easier now too is like dinner time. So dinner time used to be, uh, this, this is the way to perfectly describe dinner time. You know, you come home, you spend a huge amount of time cooking a meal that is healthy, you know, that has everything separated into like their little categories already. And you've got your protein and you've got your fiber and you've got your carbs and, you know, it's like colorful. And then they sit down and then, you know, next ensues five minutes of, I don't like this. Why? I don't want to eat this. I just want macaroni and cheese. And then, you know, and then you're exhausted and you're tired. And, you know, I really think that family dinners are super important, but then you just sometimes just like leave your family dinner, just feeling exhausted and totally drained. Right. But now lately we've actually started having conversations. (laughs) Like last night we asked, you know, what, what the kids thought marriage was and what they thought love was. And this was like the first time in like, so like that I can even really remember where we had this like really lovely conversation with them. So, so that makes it a lot easier. That is so, so cool. They become real people eventually. (laughs) They do become real people. Right. And then like, you know, like I miss the baby stage. I miss like holding and cuddling them and then, you know, kind of like they're like, watching them learn how to, you know, kind of take on the world. But then there uh, is that magical. Yeah. Like when they're discovering things for the first time, it's beautiful, but it's, (laughs) it's exhausting. And then, and, and then accompanying that was just also like the guilt of like, I'm exhausted, but like, I haven't seen them. Right. And so now I feel like we're all used to our schedule and we're happy with what we, with what we have and the time that we have. And so there's like, there's, there's less guilt involved. So that's a good thing. Definitely a good thing. Oh my gosh. Well, our listeners, I think are going to love hearing this. If you have questions for Siobhan, you can, dev- you can direct them to me or to Laura, either through social media or um, on Laura's blog or my blog. But I am thrilled to have gotten to share her with everyone and stay tuned because I don't think we plan on a guest every week, but certainly every other, or at least every few episodes, we'll be having new and exciting voices on this podcast. So thank you so much, Siobhan, for being Yes. The very first. Wait, wait. Siobhan has yes. agreed to stick around to give oh, her yeah. love of the week too. Yes. So before we let yeah, her and I'm go. Very, I'm very intrigued about her love. I heard a little taste of it and I'm like. <laughs> All right, so Siobhan, so, yeah. what's your love of you the go week? First. My love of the week is time trackers. <laughs> which sounds so ridiculous <laughs> but well, like I really but, but why don't you <laughs> why don't you explain why you love them so much so time trackers because I feel like I have only a certain number of hours in a day to do things and I want to make sure that each time I do one of those things that I give them my full attention and I want to make sure that I can maximize my productivity and efficiency so that I can spend the time that I need to with my family. And so I've been, I've been doing this program lately, uh, which it's like this National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity, and they have this writing timer 
which is part of their program. And I have learned in the meantime that there's this whole suite of other timers that you can have uh, to, to actually go through your day and to figure out how much of your time you're spending on specific topics. So for instance, I like to time the amount of time that I write for work. I like to time the amount of time that I spend for exercise. I like to time the amount of time that I spend on looking at email or Facebook or sadly celebrity gossip. Um, <laughs> Just out of curiosity, how much time does the celebrity gossip get in your time tracker? I'm trying so hard to reduce it. So <laughs> I, I think I'm down to like 20 minutes, but I can tell you that it used to be a whole lot more. No I'm working on no it. Shame. I'm working on it. I figure it's like, you know, everybody's got to have like their little, you know, habit, right? It's not smoking cigarettes. It's it's celebrity gossip. <laughs> yeah. And if it makes you happy and you're intentionally doing it and you're cool with 20 minutes, then that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the big thing is that I'm trying to like spend the time that I spend doing the day intentionally. Yes. Um, the awareness. With the absolute awareness purpose. Factor. Yes. Because that is I awesome. felt like, you know, several years ago, I was just rushing from task to task to task and just thinking like, where is time going? And so and the actual act it. of just recording my time every day and then getting all these numbers in a spreadsheet and looking to see how much time I spend on each of these tasks has been um, really uh, revealing. That is so cool. Do you have a specific, is there an app that you use that you want to share with everyone? Or? So there is this app uh, called Time Logger and Time Tracker. You can find it on Google. Um, and then there's, and then there's another app that I'm using as part of, as part of the program. The program. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Well, I love that level of the week. We'll, we'll keep you captive while we share ours really quick. Cause okay. I thought you might like, you might, I think you know about mine, but my love of the week this week is bar workouts, B-A-R-R-E not like going to a bar, which I feel like confuses everybody when I'm like, I'm going to bar. And they're like, what? You're really pregnant. <laughs> but bar has been the only way that I don't hate strength training. And I want to not hate strength training because I think it's like such a huge bang for your buck in terms of like vanity. Um, <laughs> and that's what matters, right? No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, um, I mean, I feel like I could run as many miles as, as, as I used to. And it's, you get so much, you know, just more like vitality and just the physical kind of results. And I'm thinking about like bouncing back from the baby and all that with strength. And I, but I hate like actually lifting weights in a gym bar to me is like the only compromise that is actually fun for me that I've found yoga's kind of, but I don't feel like it's quite like burn-y enough, um, to quite provide that effect. So this is more probably like your personal training. And specifically I've, I've gone to some studio classes, which are great, but they take a lot of time. I do bar three online and again, non-sponsored. Um, <laughs> but it's a monthly thing where you could do as many as you want. It's awesome for travel. You can do ones that have like small weights or there's even ones that don't use weights. Some of them use resistance bands and they are my my only non-hated strength training. So that's my love of the week. Awesome. <laughs> I love bar too. It is awesome. I should do and more great strength training. Baby. I have not been doing that. <laughs> I really should. But my love of the week is something my, my kids are doing active. I have two of, two of my kids are in karate. And the really cool thing about the studio we go to is they have about six classes per week for each of the sort of age group and ability levels. And you don't have to commit to which one or two you want to go to. So I love that flexibility. So if one week we want to bring them to Monday and Thursday, that's fine. If the next week we're at Tuesday and Friday or Wednesday and Saturday or, or Monday and Tuesday, it's okay. And they don't 
force you to commit to any particular schedule. And that has been awesome for our family because we have so many other things going on too, that if there's, can you even, can you even put multiple in the same class sometimes? Um, Well, they're, they're far enough apart in age that they can't um, because I mean, you just wouldn't have like the 10 year old sparring with a five year old and stuff, but uh, (laughs) 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 probably a bad idea in general, but you know, because of that, it's, much more parent friendly than if you have to declare like we are in the Tuesday and Thursday class and then, you know, go through the rigmarole of doing a makeup if you don't go to that particular one. And so, you know, there's a lot of kid activity places where I think they could do that. They just don't. And if they would consider doing it, they might find a lot of very happy parents. (laughs) So please, kid activity places, think flexibility. I find sometimes like you could spend as much time signing up a kid for a class as you can for trying to figure out how to do all the makeup classes. (laughs) (laughs) That exactly. I think that's an awesome idea. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. We'll have future guests in, you know, someday. And if you have suggestions for a guest, by the way, listeners, or if you want to be a guest, we've certainly had some volunteers already, but we are thrilled to add multiple people. We want diverse backgrounds and careers. We want women who are enjoying their jobs and their families. Just let us know. Thank you so much. So today's listener question is from someone who listened to our child care episode a few episodes back and wanted to ask a follow-up question about that. So here's the edited version of it. She says, my son started kindergarten this year, and here's the thing. Daycare was easy. Daycare was open 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., and although we didn't use it that entire time, there was some flexibility in it. Now, her son started school this year, and this particular school has an aftercare program, but it only goes until 5 p.m., and there's some chance he might not be able to go to that school next year, so then they've got another problem with that. So she says, potentially next year at our local public school, he's not allowed to arrive before 8, and then we'll have to figure out what to do during the week from 2.25 until 5. She says, I think our only option will be a babysitter of some kind. I don't really love that option because who is realistically available reliably every day from 2.15 to 5.15? I'm wondering how other parents cope with this. You mentioned nannies in the childcare episode, but we don't have multiple children, nor do we have the need for someone more than about 15 hours a week. I thought the school years would be easier from a childcare perspective, and so far they're cheaper than full-time daycare, but it's the exact opposite in terms of logistics. And... You know, we hear that from people a lot. So, you know, if you've got like two working parents, you've been doing the daycare option, you've gotten used to the fact that it's it's open for a long period of time and open reliably every day. And then we start thinking, hey, school years, it'll be easier. But then you got to deal with the afternoon or in the morning if you have, um, you know, an early work start time. And I've definitely gotten a lot of emails from people asking me about this, like, do you just hire an after-school sitter and who wants to work for, you know, two hours, five days a week? And it's it's sort of a harder market to find. So, I mean, Sarah, we were thinking, I wonder if she had any sort of flexibility or ways we could think about outside the box, right? Yeah. So both of us took some time to brainstorm and I'll share my thoughts. Okay. So one kind of outside the box option would be to see if there are any other families in the neighborhood that do have a full-time nanny where she could piggyback onto it for share of costs. Because if she only has the one school-aged kid, honestly, if anything, that kid would probably 
make it easier on that nanny, <laughs> um, you know, by entertaining the other kids or being an extra set of hands rather than making it harder. So she might be surprised to find that another caregiver would be thrilled and then it might reduce the cost for another family. So that was one outside the box option. Yeah, that was great. We also thought, you know, if they had any flexibility, if she and her partner had any flexibility in their jobs, they might be able to rethink what the work hours would be required on the part of a sitter. Because yeah, I agree. It's not a great job to have to commute somewhere and then only get two or three hours per day. Um, So it might be harder to find someone. But what if you did like three days a week from two to eight, and then they could work late those days and come home at two o'clock on the other days if they did have some flexibility with their jobs or one of them could come home at two o'clock, you know, one day a week. So what they'd basically be asking their managers for is one day a week I could come home at two. I could work till eight, like two days a week, you know, be available to that. That's not really a bad trade-off on on the part of a manager. So, So that might be a way to make the hours more appealing uh, for a caregiver. We also thought you could also rethink what you were looking for in a caregiver if you wanted to maybe outsource some of the housekeeping tasks. One option might be to give people more hours, have them come at like noon, right? And and work noon to five or something um, and, and do the yeah, housework during that time. Or yeah, noon to six or even like one to six would be that's 25 hours a week. So yes, it's 10 hours extra. But if that meant the difference between finding somebody and not, and if you could think of some things that I bet if you dug deep, you could think of things that you'd really not like to be doing during that time. It might actually improve your quality of life more than you ever thought possible. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also sort of, I mean, when we're talking about hours paid, you know, this is also a question of what people are looking to earn in a certain amount of time to make it worthwhile. So obviously if you pay above market rates for three hours, you'll have an easier time getting someone willing to work three hours than if you're trying to sort of get the flat, you know, amount of what you think you could, you could pay for that. So, so that's something that you, so either think about a nanny share with another family to tack on some hours to see if you have some flexibility with your work hours in order to get kind of different hours for a potential caregiver adding on the housekeeping option to get more hours or just, you know, thinking of paying a little bit more than you might have normally thought. Cause it's probably still cheaper than full-time daycare, right? Yes. I would think that it would be. Absolutely. I totally to, think it would and they're be. used to paying that. So yeah, absolutely. Although that was interesting that, you know, Siobhan had mentioned, Siobhan had mentioned earlier about, um, you know, that one time she did have a caregiver who is willing to work in the morning and in the afternoon after school. I mean, I guess you never really know. It could be that there's somebody who's like starting her own business, for instance, and is okay with having flexibility on what hours she's working and then having the day free. I mean, that, that could college be students. Yeah. Or a college student might be usually their classes it. are mostly daytimes and don't usually even start that early. So a double split, double shift. Per, the person who submitted this question, it doesn't sound like they live in a college town. So that that, that probably wouldn't work for them. But if we have other listeners who are listening to this, then that could, could totally work. 
And I'm going to throw my last thing in, which you know, I've never had an au pair, but I do think it sounds pretty sweet. And this might be one of the the situations in which um, that would be something to consider to have somebody. Now, that might be problematic if there's a lot of driving that's needed and we don't necessarily have an au pair that can safely drive your children around. But if not, and you're able to get the driving done in some other fashion, then that's a very flexible option for sort of the before and after. And when you have a school-age child, you know, the nice thing is that child can kind of tell you what's going on. Like, you know, you're, of course, you need to have a very high level of trust in somebody, no matter how old your child is. But I guess I'd be less nervous if I had a five or six year old, they would tell me if their au pair was always on the phone, you know, versus a one year old who wouldn't be able to tell you that. So, and some au pairs can do driving too. I mean, if they have a license, they learn to drive with American driving laws. (laughs) I mean, that's a, you know, it, it should be, that could, that could work just fine. So lots of options you do have. I agree though. It is, it is a transition. Uh, if parents have been doing daycare for five years and suddenly you're dealing with the school schedule, it's a whole different game. And and I know many people do think that automatically it would have be, would be easy because hey, now my kid's in school, like I've got all this time accounted for. But it's not as many hours as you're working. I mean, school is 180 days a year usually, and it's only for about six hours. Whereas if you're working, it's more like you know 240 days a year and for eight hours. So different schedules. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate in many ways. And as another evidence that not all of the universe is designed to be working parent friendly in case anyone needed more evidence of that, but it is something that parents have to deal with. So we welcome your suggestions on that too. Feel free to email us. I'm at lvandercam at yahoo.com. Feel free to reach out to Sarah through her blog and through social media. This has been best of both worlds, and we look forward to joining again next time. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. 
This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.